screen there. I'm going to read them here. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So God is commanding us to love him really with everything that we are. I mean, literally everything that we have, God is telling us to love him. And then Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Not half your heart, not with your mind, with your heart. With all your heart, the Bible says. And then Revelation chapter 3, it says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And, and that, that pretty much explains how God feels about half-heartedness. And, you know, it's, I've always been intrigued by that scripture verse where, you know, he says, I wish that you were um, either one or the other. It's almost like God, God is actually telling us that rather you be cold and nothing than pretend to be something and just be stuck in the middle, you know. So, um, but, you know, there's no middle ground in Christianity. You know, for any of us who have been saved for any number of years, I think we recognize that, that, that trying to live for Christ in the middle is, is not going to happen, that you cannot live for Christ in the neutral ground. There's, that's, you, you're not going to make it. You're going to be miserable. Uh, God, God showed me that when I was a young Christian, that you can't just get in there and just say, I'm just going to half-heartedly do this thing. You, you, you're not going to survive in the, um, in the neutral ground. The Bible says you cannot love both God and the world. You can't do it. You can't say, well, God, I love you, but I also love the things of the world. You're going to be tugged. You're going to be pulled back and forth constantly um, if, if, that, if, that's your, um, if that's your heart. You know, God did not call half of you to live for him. We are called to give him everything. This is why we surrender. And surrender is important for us to understand as a believer in the life of a believer, the vitalness and importance of understanding what it means to surrender and you know, really, surrender is the starting place that God uses to do his work in your life. And um, that's really, it's like the foundation of us. And, you know, God, God showed me that. And you all know that scripture verse in Galatians 2.20. Paul said, crucified with Christ. Therefore, it's I, I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So Paul understood that. When you, when you meet Jesus Christ, your life is over with. You, you, you surrender your life. You, you give your life. You, you give up your life. And, and that, that is such an important um, component or element or understanding of Christianity is the concept of, of surrender. And um, God showed me that, when, and I've shared my testimony with y'all before, when I was the age, age of 16, um, God, God grabbed me. I was in Ridgecrest, North Carolina at a youth camp. And, and I was struggling. I was in the youth group and doing things in church, but I wasn't really living for Christ. I was pretending to be, you know, like I was, a, I was a Christian, but it wasn't really, it wasn't a real deal. And God really grabbed me at that, at that, uh, that, that rich cross uh, place we were at and just began to convict me that you're really not sold out for me. And I was weeping and crying. I remember that's the, the big thing I told God. I said, God, I'm, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to surrender my life to you. I give you I give you control of my life. It, I wasn't perfect. It, wasn't, it didn't mean I was going to be perfect at that moment, but I, I, but I gave God permission 
to come into my life and do whatever it was he wanted to do. And if, if you never come to that place as a, as a believer and as a Christian, God is really never going to have an opportunity to really do the work he needs to do and wants to do in your life. So, so surrender is so important. It, like I said, it doesn't mean that you're perfect, but it means you surrendered who you are. You surrendered your life and you told God that, God, I give you everything. My life is yours now. And um, so God did that for me. And then when I joined the church, when we joined the church in Chalmette, it was the Assembly of God Tabernacle at the time. I've shared this with this church. I think y'all know the history of our church. We were were part of the assemblies at the time um, back in Chalmette. When Laura and I had joined the church with Pastor Carl, and um, I came up from a Baptist church. And then, of course, since then, Brother Carl has... Um, we, we moved away from the assemblies, and we, we become a non-denominational church. But we were part of the assemblies and the, um, and the Pentecostal movement, um, freedom in the spirit, speaking in tongues, all those different things that I was not accustomed to or familiar with as a Baptist. You know, I was a Christian, but those things we didn't participate in. And, and I've shared this, but God showed me the, you know, when, when the raising of hands, and that was a, that was a really huge deal in the, in the Pentecostal churches, or I guess in the those charismatic churches, people were raising their hands, and in the Baptist church, you didn't raise your hands. We just, we just didn't do it. And I remember when I first did that, that God showed me it was a perfect picture of surrender. It was just, it's just like God showed me that, that when you put your hands up, it's like you're not defending, you're, not, you're, just, you're defenseless. You're like, God, I surrender to you. So, so I've said this before to this church. Um, we're free in here. There's, you're free to, to worship and, um, and, if, and if the Holy Spirit, you know, moves on you to lift your hands up, then there's freedom in the house to do that. And, um, and I just say, close your eyes and just, I just worship you, Jesus. I'm just excited that I can do that. You know, I'm, I'm, we're free to do it. So, but surrender is so important for us, to, for us to understand that. But, you know, God is constantly challenging us to give him more. And um, regardless of how long you have been saved, you know, we can really never be satisfied with where we're at. You know, you can't ever think, well, I've gotten to a place where God has shown me everything, I've done everything, I've learned everything, I know everything. That's never going to happen. That we should always want God, through his Holy Spirit, to, to challenge us, to push us out, to, to cause us to want to, to want to know more and to want to, want to do more. So uh, this message came to me as a, as a challenge, and, and God was asking me, am I giving God everything and all that I am? Um, and, and I want there to be no reservations, no would have, could have, should have. You know, we, we don't really want to live our life as Christians looking back, saying, I wish I would have did that, or I could have did that, or I should have did this, when, when, when we really should be saying, I, just, I did everything that God gave me opportunity to do. I stepped out and did those things. So I titled the message today, I Abandon All for Christ. I Abandon All for Christ. And, you know, only you and I can answer the question, am I holding back anything? You know, as a, as a Christian, am, am, I holding back, am I holding back anything for, for, for the Lord? And, you know, the Lord really challenged me with this again. And, you know, the Lord is looking for complete abandonment of the world and of ourselves. You know, a lot of times it might be easy to abandon the world, but it's more difficult to abandon yourself, you know, and the things that, that you cherish and the, and, the, and the things that we hold dear in our lives, but God, God is looking for complete abandonment and really an almost reckless abandonment that's not afraid to let go and give God everything. 
you know, that's, that's not afraid to let go and to give God everything that he's asking for us to become and asking for us to do. So are you willing to take a risk and let go of all you cherish that he might have all of you? You know, abandoning ourselves for Christ is a risk. It's, it's, a, risk that, it's a risk that we take. Are we willing to take that risk? Is there a part of you that you have not surrendered to Christ? Is there something in your heart or in your life that you feel like I've not surrendered, surrendered to the Lord? To become what God has called you to become will require reckless abandonment. You're going to have to abandon yourself and abandon the things of the world. For this church to become all that God wants will require a complete emptying of ourselves, a complete letting go of everything that we hold dear to become everything that God wants us to become. But it's possible. There's a, there's a picture of reckless abandonment in the Bible in John chapter 12. Um, and th this is one of, one of, my, one of the, my favorite stories in the Bible. But um, when God began to challenge me about letting go and am I surrendering, am I giving everything that God wants, this is the passage that God immediately led me to was in John chapter 12. So I'm going to read this here, the first 11 verses. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure Nord, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. And, you know, what a remarkable passage here. And just to kind of put this passage into context, if you read the previous chapter in chapter 11, that's the chapter where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And if you, rem if you remember the story, it, it had been reported to Jesus that Lazarus was sick, that, that he was ill, and they had asked for him to come, and they knew that if Jesus came, that Jesus could heal Lazarus of his sickness. And, uh, but the Bible says that Jesus intentionally waited where he was. He, he, why? Because he knew by the time he arrived in Bethany, Lazarus was going to be dead. And the miracle of raising someone from the dead compared to healing someone is much more powerful. And we know that Lazarus, was, he was in the dead. He was in the tomb for four days, the Bible says. And, 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 and the Bible says that God, God raised him from the dead. But we look at this scene here in chapter 12 now, and, the, and this recording in John, this is also recorded in two of the other Gospels, um, they're similar in what was written here in John, but there's some other details that were given. But this passage here tells us that they were given this dinner in Jesus' honor. 
And I have to believe that they were doing it because they were so thrilled that Lazarus was alive. But when you read the story here, I can't help but notice it says that Lazarus was there among them reclining at the table. So that tells me that Lazarus wasn't some kind of ghostly figure or someone that was just disabled when he was, when he was resurrected. He was like half alive. Like this was, he, he, was a, he was a complete, restored, 100% human being. And he was there among them reclining at the table. And, and just think about that for a moment, that, that he was in a tomb for four days. And now he's sitting among his family with Jesus, eating, eating, eating a meal, celebrating the one who resurrected him from the dead. It's just, it's just a remarkable, remarkable story um, to look at this. But here a dinner was, was given, but all of a sudden the dinner turns to an extraordinary act of love and sacrifice. And, and that's what I want to look at here in verse 3. It says, Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So the first thing when we look at a picture of abandonment is abandonment will cost you everything. Abandonment will cost you everything. Notice what it says there. It says, Then Mary took. It, it was abrupt. It was spontaneous. It wasn't not, she was not instructed to do so. There's no indication at all given in this passage that Jesus instructed her to do this. She was under no obligation to do so. The Bible says, then Mary took. She, she spontaneously responded and reacted. I got I to believe prompted by God, prompted, prompted by the Spirit. And uh, uh, the, the passage doesn't give insight to what she was thinking, but, it, but we, we, we realize here she acted without hesitation. She didn't hesitate. She immediately responded to what she felt God calling her to do. So we are to live our lives in abandonment to, a, to an abandonment to Christ. We must act spontaneously and without hesitation. Now, sometimes God will drop within your spirit something that God wants you to do. It might be a prayer. It might be in, the, in public, in a public place where God just wants you to pray for someone. That, that, that maybe someone you've never met. It may, it might just be someone that, that's that's in your in, in the grocery store or just in your world or whatever. And all of a sudden, God just drops in your spirit. You know what? I want you to go pray with that family. Go pray with that. Go pray with that person. And how many times do we hear the voice of God, but we don't act immediately? And what happens? We lose the opportunity. We, it, it goes away. It's not, it, it's not there. So I believe that for us to completely just abandon ourselves, when God's Spirit prompts us or compels us or moves us to do something, I believe God is asking us to do it without hesitation. Just, just move just move on what God's saying to do. And, I, and, and God, God will get the glory. God will be glorified for that. See, part of abandonment involves taking risk. See, risk of failure, risk of condemnation, persecution, rejection. Um, that, that was, Mary took a risk by doing that. When she, when she did that, she didn't know what the response was going to be. Je, Jesus himself could have possibly corrected her for such a thing that she did. We, she probably didn't really know what, but she was so moved by what Christ had done for her and out of love and devotion and sacrifice, sacrifice to want to show Jesus what he did, she was moved with such, just such awe. She wanted to immediately respond and act with what it was God was moving her to do when she did it without hesitation and without 
reservation. But, but there's a risk involved in that. When you abandon yourself, when you let go of yourself, there's a risk. She could have failed. She could have been condemned. She could have been corrected, all those different things. Yet she moved out and did it anyway. See, let's become the church that moves without hesitation to the voice of the Holy Spirit. When God's voice begins to move on us, it begins to convict us to do things, let's just move as soon as God's voice, as soon as we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, let's begin to just actively obey what it is that God is calling us to do. See, if, you, if God is calling you to pray for someone, to tell someone about Jesus, that's, it's, it's, it's going to come with, there's going to be a hesitation. But God is telling us just to move immediately. See, and Mary made a costly sacrifice. That, that pint of perfume or pure nard that it says here, that was worth a year's wages. Now, back then, it, I studied this, it was 300 denarii, which was equivalent to a year's wage back then. So that would be like today, if, if you make 30 or 40 or $50,000 a year, that, that, that perfume that she broke open was, was worth a, year's, a year of your wages that she gave. So it was, it was something that cost her something. Most likely was the most valuable thing that she possessed. I got to think it was her most valuable possession. But she demonstrated extravagant love. She sacrificed her most valuable possession for her devotion to Jesus. See, going all in for Jesus will cost you everything. Not, not, not financially. That, that could be a financial cost, but that, going in for Jesus will cost you your life, your dreams, your goals, your will, your desires. It will cost you everything. That's why surrender, again, is so critical when we become a Christian. Luke chapter 14, it says, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid, laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. So Jesus said, who, who of you, who of, which of you desire to build a tower? And he was using this as an analogy. Which of you who desires to have me as Lord? that desires to call me Lord, that desires to accept me as your Lord and Savior, does not first down and consider, what is this going to cost me? It's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you your entire life. Everything that you are is going to cost you. And Jesus says, make, make the decision to contemplate and to sit down and look at what it is that it's going to cost you before you receive and accept me as your Lord and Savior. See, Mary demonstrated radical obedience. If we are all in, the cost, no matter how much, will not matter. See, it won't matter whether we're ridiculed or whether we're persecuted or whether it feels, it feels strange. None of those things will matter. I, I've abandoned everything for Christ. I'm all in. It, does, it doesn't matter. This is, this is who I am. Abandonment of self for Christ will cost you time and energy. It might cost you friends. It might cost you relationships, maybe job opportunities, on and on and on. But we, but, but, but we, want, we have abandoned everything for Jesus Christ. We've, we've, given, we've given it all in. So that's the first thing is abandoned will cost you everything. The next thing here is in verse 3. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. The next thing we need to look at here is abandonment will leave you exposed. 
Abandonment will leave you exposed. Mary poured the perfume on Jesus' feet. And it says that Jesus in this passage indicated that what she was doing was being done for, her, for, her, for his burial, but for preparation for Christ's death and for his burial. But the passage doesn't tell us that Mary knew that. In other words, we don't know that Mary understood what she was doing. I believe she was doing it, again, out of devotion and love and thankfulness in her heart for, she, for, for finally having a revelation of understanding who Jesus Christ really was. But Mary also, I believe, was acting in repentance because if you read John chapter 11, if you remember the story when Jesus arrived in Bethany, remember Lazarus, Lazarus had, had already died and Martha met Jesus when he got into the town and Martha told, uh, told Jesus, had you'd arrived sooner, my, my brother would not have died. And if you read further in to the chapter, Mary told him the same thing. She said she told Jesus, if you had been, if you had been able to get here sooner, which Jesus could have gotten there much sooner if he chose to, Mary told him, my brother would not have died. And so in essence, what she was doing, she was blaming Christ for her brother's death. So this also might have been an expression of repentance, that she was, she was expressing remorse that, boy, did I get this wrong. <laughs> in other words, she understood uh, you know, who, 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 Christ, who Christ was. So, but see, she took a risk. That was her thing about this, not just the cost that was involved and the expense of the perfume, but then she humbled herself, the, 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 the story says, and she knelt down and she, she, she wiped Jesus' feet with her hair. Imagine the, how, how humiliating that would seem and then what that would look like to those around you that didn't understand what it was that you were doing. She was leaving herself exposed exposed to ridicule, exposed to judgment, maybe laughter, maybe someone making fun of her. But she was abandoning herself completely for her love for Jesus Christ. That's where God wants you and I to be, that we are willing to expose ourselves, to, to be exposed maybe to some ridicule, that, that maybe, you know, when we step out and do something, maybe it's going to be a little embarrassing. Or maybe somebody's not going to understand what it is we're doing. Or maybe someone might judge what it is that we're doing. But I'm willing to abandon myself and be exposed for Jesus Christ. That's what God is looking for. And that, that's a place I believe God can take every one of us in this room this morning, that myself included, that, that I really let go. I, you know, it's almost like I forget what the world thinks or what the world says. And, and, my, and the only person I'm concerned with is God. I want to please you. Mary was only concerned with worshiping and pleasing Jesus at that moment. That's all she cared about. Jesus was number one at that moment for her. So selling out to Jesus will require risk-taking. There's going to be a risk involved. Praying and speaking to someone about Jesus can be uncomfortable. The risk of rejection and persecution is a real possibility. If you step out in faith and you pray for someone or you witness to someone and share the gospel, there's a real chance you're going to be rejected. There's a real chance you might be persecuted or made fun of or, or whatever. But we, we need to be willing to set aside ourselves for the sake of Christ and everything that it is that Jesus is asking us to do and to become. You know, I thought about when we were at the, uh, the, the life chain um, just several weeks ago. We were standing on there in the corner of Brewster there in Covington, and we were just we were minding our business, just holding up signs, saying that we stand for life, that we, we believe that God is a God of life, 
and we were out there, and we were in Covington. There were some people that, that, that didn't appreciate what it was we were doing. They, they rolled their window down and made sure that they let, let us know what they thought about it. And, um, but we put ourselves out there. We, we took a risk. We said, I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to stand for life. I'm going to stand for truth. And for what? So you take a stand for Jesus in this world. It's, it, you're taking a risk. But it's a risk well, it's a risk well deserved. Second Samuel chapter 6. It says, David retorted to, to, to Michal, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. David, when he, when he came back, he was from, 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 from the battle with the Lord. He came back, and he was worshiping and dancing before the Lord. And the Bible says his, his own wife was criticizing him, for, 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 for she said, for looking foolish in front of the servant girls. And David said, I'm willing to look even more foolish than this to stand before God and worship God for everything he's done for me. And, th and th this is David in 2 Samuel. Now, here we are. Everything that God promised in the Old Testament has been done for us in Christ. How much more foolish should we look before Christ for everything that Jesus has done for us? It's a complete abandonment. We abandon ourselves. We step out of ourselves, out of our comfort zone, out of all the things that we, that we cherish, and we say, God, we abandon ourselves for you. And then in verse 4, it says, But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Now this was one of Jesus' disciples, and the next thing we need to look at here is abandonment will draw opposition. Abandonment for Christ will draw opposition. But here we have... Um, uh, Judas Iscariot, now this is interesting, he's one of the disciples of Jesus Christ. We know that he was later to betray Christ, but in this passage here, it tells us even before he betrayed Christ, he was stealing money. And, and he, was one, he, was one, he was one of the twelve. But, but it says here that he cared nothing about the poor. He used it as an excuse because he wanted to take some of the money for himself, but see, going all in for for Jesus will invite opposition. There will be opposition. There will be resistance when when we step out and do something for Christ. There will be resistance, just as there was when we when we stepped out and did that simple life chain there in Covington. Um, you, you step out and do something for Jesus. There will be resistance from the world, maybe from your family, from your friends, and even from your own flesh will come against you. There will be resistance. But resistance and opposition cannot prevent you from doing something for Jesus. If anything, it should motivate us. In other words, I should be motivated to say, you know what? I don't care what resistance comes, what opposition comes. God, I'm pressing in. I'm moving forward for you in Jesus' name. I'm going to do this in spite of what resistance or what opposition will come. You will encounter difficulty when you step off for Jesus. We we're going to present some things before this church that we're going to try to get out next year and, and do some things, do some outreaches, some events, some events in our community. And I can tell you, when we begin to plan those things and do those things, opposition and resistance will come. But we're going to press forward and do them anyway because God is calling us to move out. 
See, we must be willing, like Mary was, to encounter opposition. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Jesus warned us ahead of time, if you accept me, if you, if you accept me as Lord, if you surrender your life to me, you will be hated by your own family, by your own friends. Persecution will come. So we should not be surprised when persecution comes. It should be expected. It should be something that we expect to happen. And then in verse 7 here, look what Jesus said here. Jesus said, leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And the next thing we need to see is abandonment is pleasing to Jesus. Abandonment is pleasing to Jesus. Look who stood up and had the first words in, in Mary's defense. It was Jesus. And what did Jesus say? Leave her alone. She's done a good thing. She's done a righteous thing. She's done, she's done a good thing. Jesus immediately came to the defense of Mary. That's the words I want to hear Jesus say when I step out and take, and take a risk for him. Leave him alone. He's doing something for me. And for this church, when this church steps out and does something for Christ, that's what I want Christ to say. Leave that church alone. And that, that's the words we need to know that, that, is, that is ringing that in heaven, that God is standing in our defense when we step out in faith and take a risk to do anything for Jesus Christ. God, God is looking for radical abandonment of ourselves and total allegiance to Jesus. That, that's what God wants, that we, that we just let go and we just give God, just give God everything, that j just as much as we would in anything else in our life that we love and we cherish, God is looking for that same abandonment for our love for him and our relationship with him, just to become everything that God wants us to be. Let go of pride, let go of selfishness, let go of fear and rejection and all those different things. And just so, God, I'm going to step out. God, I'm going I'm to take a risk for you, God. And I'm going to be everything that Jesus has called me to be. And I believe if we begin to do that, God will begin to show up and begin to do miraculous things in our midst. Not just in our church, but in our lives individually. And, and, and we all have those promptings by the Holy Spirit where God moves us to do things. And uh, Sister Arlene, I thought about you. with Y'all go to Covington sometimes, downtown Covington, and you take a group and y'all go and y'all witness. Right? Y'all just take tracks and all. And that's not something that, the, that wasn't instructed to you by this church. That's God's spirit placed that within you because you have a hunger and a desire to want to share the gospel. We don't need instruction from this church to go share the gospel. If, if God is prompting you to go witness or to go, to go pass our tracks or to go pray with someone, by all means, go in Jesus' name. That, that's what God has called us to do. We're going we're gonna to do things that, that, we, that, that, we orga that we organize together as a body, but, but if God begins to prompt you to do something individually, go do that. Do it. If it's not rebellion and it's not sin, go in Jesus' name. That, that's what God has compelled you to do. God has prompted you to do those things. Don't look around and say, well, he's not doing it, she's not doing it. God called you to do that. And go and go in Jesus' name and go do those things. And and that's really what, what I believe God is looking for, is for us to, 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 to get out of ourselves and, 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 and just the routine and the, the normality and the, 
the, the comfort of, of everything and just to step out and just become everything that God wants us to be. And again, it is gonna, it's going to take a risk. There's a risk involved in that. You might look silly. You, you, you might look foolish. You, we might make a mistake. We might say the wrong thing. We might, all of a, so what? We, we stood out, we, we stepped out in faith and we did it. Amen. We did it. And that's what God is looking for for us to do. Right. And, um, and I know that God will, God will reward that. And, and again, look at Jesus. We didn't know what Jesus' response was going to be. He remained quiet the whole time. And then, then, as, soon, then as soon as Judas, Judas spoke up, Jesus said, leave her alone. And that's, that's what God, I believe, believe, is saying to us. So as we close down 2021 and begin to think about moving into next year, you know, ask the Lord to show you what needs to change to get you to the place where Mary went. In other words, she, she abandoned everything. And again, it was, a, it was a big thing that happened in her life. Lazarus, her brother, was resurrected from the dead. But I believe it was more than just Lazarus' resurrection. I believe all of a sudden she understood for the first time that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one of God, the, the Christ, the Savior of the world. She understood that. And once she got that revelation, guess what she did? She gave it all up. Literally gave it all up. She abandoned everything, humiliation, and she just, she just fell at Jesus' feet. Imagine that scene wiping the feet of Jesus with her hair. I don't think anything could be more humiliating for, for any of us, much less a woman, to bow down like that and to, to take your hair and to wipe the feet of any, any, any human being. She did that. She gave it all up. I'm going to ask Joshua just to start playing that music, please, in the background. There's a, a song, and I know y'all don't like when I do this probably, but I can't help it because I, I remember all these songs and it was Steve Green. Many, most people know, you've heard of Keith Green, and he died in a, I think it was a tragic accident, car crash, plane crash. But uh, Steve Green was another Green that was also a remarkable um, a singer. And if you go and Google some of his music, it's amazing. And, but he had a song that, that he sang called Broken and Spilled Out, which was written from this passage that I just preached from here in John chapter 12. And I'm just going to read you the lyrics, but... You'll forget that I asked you to do this, but if you don't forget that I asked you to do this, when you get home today, Google Steve Green, Broken and Spilled Out, and listen to, the, listen to him sing the song. It's, it's beautiful. It's just a beautiful song. But you can turn it down just a little bit, Josh, please. Um, it says, One day a plain, a plain village woman, driven by love for her Lord, recklessly poured out a valuable essence, disregarding the scorn. And once it was broken and spilled out, a fragrance filled all the room. Like a prisoner released from his shackles, like a spirit set free from the tomb. Broken and spilled out just for love of you, Jesus, my most precious treasure lavished on thee. Broken and spilled out and poured at your feet, in sweet abandon, let me be spilled out and used up for thee. Lord, you were God's precious treasure, his love and his own perfect son. Sent here to show me the love of the Father, just for love it was done. And though you were perfect and holy, you gave up yourself willingly. You spared no expense for my pardon. You were used up and wasted for me. Broken and spilled out, just for love of me, Jesus. 
God's most precious treasure lavished on me, broken and spilled out and poured at my feet in sweet abandon. Lord, you were spilled out and used up for me. Lord, you were spilled out and used up for me. What a beautiful what a beautiful song to go with that with that beautiful passage there in John chapter 12. And that's what God is looking for. Jesus, he abandoned everything for us. He, he gave up way more than we could ever give. He gave up heaven. He became a man, the Bible says. Humbled himself, became a servant, became, the Bible says, became nothing. He became a bondservant for us. How much more can we, in response to what Christ has done for us, just abandon everything and say, God, I give it all. I take it all. So just stand to your feet, please. And